You know, whenever you've wore out everything that God gave you, you might as well check out here and check in there. Amen. They said to me about my daddy as they had him on a life support. Uh, they accidentally collapsed his lung and could not ever get it inflated again. A nurse stepped on a cord and pulled the tube out of my father's lung. And my father's lung collapsed and pneumonia and complications. And as he lay there in the intensive care unit for weeks, and I was there when the doctor came in and he said, Preacher, your daddy has wore out everything God give him. His heart's gone. His kidneys are gone. His lung function is gone. I said, won't you unplug him and let him go to heaven? And they unplugged him, and I sat there and watched my daddy leave this old world and check into the next one. And I'll bet you he has no regrets. Amen. And so... Praise the Lord for a place called heaven. But until we get there, we are trying to get through this life for the glory and honor of the Lord. And uh, have you ever noticed most folk don't live to try to please us? Have you ever noticed sometimes folk don't do like we think they ought to? Now, I know nobody in the Baptist church would ever develop a critical spirit or anything like that. But I read my Bible, I read that we are in a warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible, the Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. The Bible speaks of the fiery dart of the devil. The Bible says that the devil, even he is transformed, his ministers are transformed into the angels of light. You know, folks on television preaching the Bible may not be everything they say they are. But we cannot busy ourselves with folks on television. We got enough problems right here. So I thought I'd preach to you tonight on restoring reusable wrecks. Restoring reusable wrecks. You know those folks we've already given up on. Uh, those folks that don't cross their T's and dot their I's just like we think they ought to. Galatians chapter 6. I read for you just 10 verses there. And I want you to look at this. And I, I want to do tonight, I think, something that needs to be done in our church. I don't know anybody in our church that has a critical spirit. I don't know anybody this evening that's mad at anybody except at me. And uh, I always deserve it. But I want you to notice something tonight, if you would please. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brethren. I like that term, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, family of God. Hey, let me ask you something. In your physical family, is there ever any misunderstandings and misagreements? Now, I was talking to Miss Ashley the other day and when she was cutting my hair. And if she don't quit going up on a price... 
I'm going to pray that God would let all of my hair just fall out. And I was talking to her, and she assured me that in all of Whitney's life, in all of Taylor's life, there's never been a misunderstanding between her and the kids. Never. Never. I told her, touch me. I need some of that holiness to run off on me. It's not that way around the house. Brethren, do you know, as long as we're brethren, brothers and sisters are going to disagree. If you don't believe that, go my house and watch Mandy and Andrew. I remember Andrew running from Mandy, and Mandy trying to run over him with a four-wheeler. Andrew turned sharp. Mandy forgot to and hit a tree and almost killed her and tore up my four-wheeler. Of course it was Andrew's fault. He should have stopped and let her run over him, right? Kids, brethren, we never have any misunderstandings. Ha, ha, ha. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, don't mean he's wallowing around in the fall. The fall called him. The fiery dart of the devil hit its mark. He unintentionally slowed down for just a minute. And in the key time, the deceiver, the wicked one, Lucifer, the serpent, shot his arrow. And bang, it found its mark. Overtaken, caught, trapped. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual. Now let's just stop there a minute. That is the problem. Come on, say amen. How do you govern whether or not you are spiritual? Well, preacher, I, I, I'd restore them, but I'm as guilty as they are. You're probably spiritual if you realize that. Ye which are spiritual, <clears throat> kill that one. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Boy, there's a mouthful of truth in that verse. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It did not say sins, burdens. We are to be burden barriers, not sin carriers. We are not to participate in sin. We are to help each other bear our burdens. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, I wonder if there's any of those folks around here like that. He deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall we have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Whoa! Look at that. I found a contradiction in the King James Bible, they say. Because verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens. And verse 5, oh, I got your attention, didn't I? 
And you were about asleep, but when I said that, you've got your attention. And verse 5 says, For every man shall bear his own burden. But verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burden. When verse 5 says, For every man shall bear his own burden. See how easy it is to misunderstand. Verse 5 is talking about soldiering, carrying your own pack, doing your own deal, strong enough to do what needs to be done in your line of work. Verse 2, helping those who cannot carry their burdens. That one who has been caught, that one who has been shot, that one who is wounded, that one who is down, cannot carry his burden temporarily. Somebody else has got to come alongside as they did yonder on the road to Jericho. Down the Samaritan road, you remember the fellow who fell among thieves and was helpless in the gutter of the world, stripped and half dead? Somebody had to help him carry his burden. The Bible goes on to say, Be, let, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You said, Preacher, you already heard that. I thought I'd read it again. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. How many folk believe that? How many believe that's a law established by Almighty God in the eternals of eternity? I believe with all of my heart as long as what you throw up comes down, the law of gravity is in effect. What you put in the ground will come up. Notice. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh, flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I remember being reared on a farm, and I don't know, but weeds will grow where nothing else will. My daddy said the only way you can get rid of Johnson grass is to die and run off and leave it. And I remember my daddy is just a little old kid when I just toe-headed. About the time my hand started fitting a hoe handle. Now, kids probably don't know what a hoe handle is. We would spend all of our time and efforts and most of our money buying the seed and the fertilizer and planting and sowing and after a few days, you can see the little sprouts because that which is buried dies and comes alive again. But I remember a lot of other plants coming up that we didn't sow. They call them weeds. We'd hook up the horses to a four-footed plow. 
We'd go down the middle of those rows just uh, knocking you know what out of them weeds, just uh, digging them and plowing them up. But now when all that was done, Daddy would give me that hoe handle and say, Now, son, get to well doing. Be not weary in chopping the weeds. Be not weary in taking care of the seed that you've sown. Because the devil will send the tares and the weeds, and if you ever get tired of well-doing, the weeds will choke out your harvest. Boy, how we need to get to chopping the weeds in our life. If we're not careful, the weeds are going to kill the seed spiritually that has been sown. The weeds of this world is about to overtake us. The weeds of uh, selfishness is about to overtake us. The weeds of compromise is about to overtake us. We must not get weary in keeping the weeds down. How many of you ever get weary with trying to live right, trying to do right, trying to be honest, trying to be faithful, trying to just, just get weary. So anybody here ever get weary? Well, I have good news for you. The Bible says, And as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I believe that we're in a spiritual warfare that many of us do not even realize we're in. Many of us have already waved the white flag of surrender and we begin to kind of drift a little bit toward the world and materialism and socialism and away from the Word of God toward uh, the, the world in which we live. The church of today does not even resemble the church of 45 years ago when I got saved. We are so preoccupied with everything in the world, we have only time for the world. We are announcing that we're going to have a revival in September, hoping maybe by some small chance you might put it on your calendar. We plan an entire year in advance. Spend hundreds of dollars for calendars so that you can know when we're having an emphasis at our church and what do you know? You just accidentally scheduled your vacation for that week. without any consideration to the cause of Christ, without any consideration for the ministry of the church, without any consideration about reaching souls for Christ and an endeavor to reach out into the world and get people saved. I did not look at the calendar. Well, why did you get it then? I'm just afraid, and I'm really afraid, that maybe in this spiritual war that we're fighting, there will always be casualties. 
I could name a bunch of them in fundamentalism. Casualties, if you please. I mean, Satan's fiery darts will sometimes pierce a brother's armor and wound him fatally, if you please. And we see it on the news, or we hear it by the way of the grapevine. Another independent Baptist falls. Uh, another family gets a divorce. Another teenager gets pregnant. Somebody else quits. Somebody else laid down the sword. I'm saying to you tonight, there are casualties. You say, well, I'm here. Well, how's your attitude? Say, preacher, right now I'm mad because I'm mad at you. The Bible said, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. The Bible said, if we say we have no sin, that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I'm saying to you today, if God Almighty knows that all of us are going to sin, we might need somebody to come alongside of us every once in a while and give an encouraging word. An uplifting arm, if you please. Maybe a kind word to get us on down the road. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore is the word that you would use for a doctor resetting a broken bone. Restore is to renew somebody who needs renewing. Restore is to breathe fresh air into somebody that's just absolutely out of breath spiritually. Oh. Say, preacher, I'm not much on this restoring business. You know what? You ought to be. Take your Bible, if you would, please, to the book of First, Second Corinthians, and I'll read for you just a, a few verses out of chapter number 5. Please look at this. I want to talk about restoring reusable wrecks. You are looking at a restored, usable wreck. Well, I never need restoring. Get off your proud horse. You might one of these days. And I want to talk to you tonight about restoring reusable wrecks. Not being so hard on folks. Give them the same break you're giving yourself. Amen. I'm not speaking about alienation. I'm not speaking about church discipline. I'm not preaching to you tonight about hack them off and being on a, on a spiritual wish hunt just to try to find somebody we can kick out of church because we believe in discipline. I'm talking about love and restoration and, and uh, revitalization and, and, and just loving people. Now, let me please say this. Let me clear the air. I've heard often that we ought to 
hate to sin and love the sinner. I don't know why it gets so quiet in here. Shoot. Hey, I used to preach on Sunday night every night. You remember that? For 29 years I preached every Sunday night. And you folks said amen once in a while. But we need to clear something up. We have to love the sinner and hate the sin. Does that mean that we do not adhere to the biblical mandates concerning the sinner? Does that mean hmm, we're all sinners, so we're going to sin a little bit anyhow? And we dismiss every sin that though so easily be Well, you're to love the sinner and hate the sin. Jesus told a lady caught in adultery, neither do I condemn thee. But he also said, go and sin no more. We're not going to fall in love with humanity because we know humanity is steeped in sin and walking around in a deceitful heart. So all them love child running around with love patches on the seat of their britches probably ain't got the truth. But I believe if a brother be overtaken in the fall, if you're overtaken, now, if the brother overtakes the fault, that's the difference. If they catch you down on Rosedale soliciting a prostitute, you didn't fall. You didn't, they didn't catch you. You caught it. Could I have an amen? Now, if you're buying beer, beer didn't catch you. You caught the beer. Amen. So there is a difference, bless your heart, in restoration without repentance. And repentance, without repentance, there is no restoration. Amen. Let me ask you something tonight. Look at the, look at the fallen state, if you would. Verse number, chapter number uh, 6 and verse 1 of, of the book. Oh, I was going to read something in 1 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians. Notice, let me read for you verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. The Bible said, if all things are of God. How many folk believe that? All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us a ministry of, somebody talk to me, of what? Reconciliation. Preacher, do you forgive me? I reckon. Preacher, will God forgive me for what I've done? I reckon. Reconciliation. Notice now what else he says. He says in verse number 19, To wit, that God was in, the, in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us 
the word of reconciliation. You and I have been given the ministry of reconciling people to God. And we serve in that capacity as an ambassador. Notice, if you would please. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Notice, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, if it is true that we all are sinners, and if it is true that we all sin, then it is also true that if your sin is worse in my eyes, than my sin, you are a bigger sinner than me. Now, if I judge you wrongly, hypocritically, then I'm wrong. That makes me a sinner. Twang, I just got hit with one of Satan's fiery darts. Listen now. It says, brethren, family member, brothers and sisters in Christ. The Greek word is from the same womb. Reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this place got to be a child of God the same identical way. Red and yellow, black and white, makes no difference in God's sight. All are precious in God's sight. And to as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. How many can say amen to that? So Paul is talking to blood-bought, born-again, blood-washed, heaven-going, hell-shunning, sin-hating, independent, fundamental, Baptist people like us who can be overtaken in a fall. Isn't that something? Notice he said, if a man, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, a fallen man, a broken man, an unregenerate man, an unrepentant man, but still a man just the same. Even though in his own heart he may not feel like a man, he may be lower than a man, a woman may have pushed him beyond even feeling like he is a man, somebody else may have pushed him beyond manliness, and somebody may make a whip out of him, but he's still a fallen I think every wife and every husband ought to be busy building each other up, not tearing each other down. Dear Lord, I listen to people talk to one another. And if I ever talk to my dog like some husbands and wives talk to themselves, I'll swear my dog would bite me the next time I fed him. And if he didn't bite me, I'd shoot him. He had no backbone. <laughs> 
Brethren, if a man, man that's been beat down, a man that feels undeserving, a man that's lower, so low he can sit on a curb and wag both feet and never hit the street, man that has been absolutely ostracized and criticized and demonized until he don't even feel worthy to be called a man. That's what sin does. That's what Christians do. Beat each other down. We don't offer a Band-Aid. We get a gun. If they wounded man, don't put a Band-Aid on him. Shoot him. Kick him out. If they get a divorce, kick him out. If you do that, I'll go down the street and start a church, church for divorce folk, and I'll build a bigger church than you will. Kick him out. Brethren, Family member, if a man be overtaken, I know some good men, wrong time, wrong place, wrong person, and bang, they fail. I know other men who did not accidentally fall. with a pedophile who abused bus kids until he was in his 80s spent the rest of his days in the penitentiary those guys don't get overtaken in a fall they're perverts they're perverts A lush head is not overtaken in the fall. He just keeps jumping back in the bottle. We're not talking about habitual wife abusers, child abusers, lush heads, dope heads. We're talking about born-again children of God that serve God faithfully and work diligently, but because one day maybe they got tired and weary, maybe when nobody was looking, maybe all of a sudden the deceiver, the devil, slipped up on him and caught him in the fault and set a trap. And now he's a broken man, a broken woman. I'm talking about wives whose husbands will not speak with them and talk to them and share with them, have no time for them. And all of a sudden, down at the shop, down at the job, there's a man who will listen. Sucker may be uglier than a baboon going in reverse, but that don't make any difference. He listened. The husband's hunting, fishing, golfing, working. Chasing rug rats and don't have time for her. And one day, down at the job, somebody listened. Before she knew it, she was emotionally attracted and attached, overtaken. You say, preacher, that. It's going to happen to you one day. 
No, if you come to my office, you notice there's a crack underneath the door in the bathroom there between my wife's office and my office. And if you ladies come to my office, if you'd like, you can look over. You see my wife's nose underneath that crack, looking in there, so making sure that uh, I don't get and you don't get overtaken in a fall. I don't need, I don't need, and you don't need that. But there are, for instances, where the the devil and this world overtakes a well-meaning, fruitful, fighting Christian. And at the wrong moment, the right moment, the devil flings his dart, twang, to the heart of the believer. That's when we say, well, we've been expecting it all along anyhow. In fact, I've been praying that would happen, that hussy. In Christian love, of course. Come on now, listen to me. Brethren, family, if a man or a woman to be overtaken in the fall, Ye which are spiritual. Hmm? I know you're spiritual if you can forgive. Well, I'm having trouble. Well, you ain't spiritual yet. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what we need to do. Get the preacher run over with his truck. You ain't spiritual yet. Jesus said, well, him without sin do what? cast what the first stone I tell you I can tell if you're spiritual or not when you're willing to do what God wants you to do restore restore is discipline not punishment you know there's a difference between discipline and punishment Now, our church practices discipline. We don't practice punishment. Punishment is pointing back to a broken law. Discipline is pointing toward a right deed. I don't punish my kids. I don't say, you broke my law. I don't say, put your nose in a corner and look at them walls until you cross I. I do not punish my kids. Penitentiary is to punish. Penitentiary was never meant to re-enter the person back into society. A penitentiary was for punishment. You broke the law, dummy. You get one pack of bull Durham a day. You pick up stuff off the highway. You dress in striped drawers so that everybody knows you broke the law. I don't treat my kids that way. I point my kids toward a right deed, not a broken deed. When we 
discipline folks in the Baptist church. It's for growth, not to punish. Amen. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore? Now back to where they were. Restore? Back into fellowship. Restore? Don't make them feel like they've been ostracized. We're not Amish. We do not have a doctrine called shunning. We have one, we just don't believe in it. Well, I ain't sitting on the same side of the church with them. Do you know what they did? Well, Sazim, I wouldn't sit on the same side of you, you bent spirit huzzy anyhow. You're welcome. If you're Amish, you need to buy you a buggy and a horse. If you're too good to be around other sinners like you, you need to buy you a horse, and I got two, I'll sell you. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. How? In the spirit of meekness. Jesus was meek. Meek is not weak. Meek is strength in control. Meek is being in control of the situation. And you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now why should I do that? Seems awful dumb. Well, let's look at the rest of the verse. Considering someone, I don't know who, who does Paul say consider? Thyself. Considering thyself. Have you ever said, I'll never do that? Have you ever done that again? Have you ever said, I'll never say that? Have you ever said that? I'll never charge another thing. Have you ever said that? Did you backslide? Considering thyself. About the time we think we got it all in the short rows. Now you've got to be a farmer to realize what that means. The short rows is when they put the rows catty corner across the field. And when you get in the middle of the field, the longest row runs from that corner to that corner. And the longer you work, the shorter the rows because you're working toward the corner. And about the time you think you got it in the short rows, Daddy shows up and said, you didn't do a good enough job. Back to the long rows again. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought you had it going your way and everything was okay and up jumped the devil? Yes, sir, that's the truth. The reason we ought to be in the rest restoration business and being good ambassadors for Jesus Christ 
because one day you and I might need an ambassador come down our highway and all of a sudden they find us laying in the ditch robbed and stripped and leaving us half dead. We might need a good Samaritan to come along and pick us up and encourage us along life's highway. Considering thyself lest thou also notice the rest of it be what? The devil knows you better than you know yourself. He knows which rope to pull. He knows your and my very weakness. See, now there's some things the devil can't tempt me with. But there are some other things that he might get my attention with. A good coon dog. Legs at work again. I'm tired of saving them Zorn boys out coon hunting. I fell in a creek one night. My boots got full of water. But Sissy Jared and Sissy JT was trying to pull me up a bank. And my waders was full of water. And my overalls was full of water. And I was full of water. And them boys... Two big wimps couldn't pull this mighty specimen of a man out of that creek. So I said, boys, if you don't pull me out, God knows I'm fixing to pull you in. Huh? God knows you better than you know yourself. And therefore, as we have opportunity, we ought to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Amen. Don't kick them while they're down. Don't, 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 don't. Don't shoot our wounded. This ought to be a hospital for hurting Christians. Not a reformatory. Amen? This ought to be a place where a wounded child of God could come in and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That by grace we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Amen? We ought to be looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. We got good news, Amen. not bad news. We need to start restoring reusable wrecks for the glory of God. Don't. It's getting to be a time when we have folk walk down there. I want to join our church. They got different names, same address. I mean, that's just common. Folks see nothing wrong with that anymore. But I don't know why they should. When they don't see anything wrong with same-sex marriage, why would they see anything wrong with no marriage at all? 
what I can't understand. Same sexes are fighting all of hell to get married when the other couples are fighting all of hell to keep them getting married. Amen, preacher, God bless you. Yes, that's the truth. Amen. You don't believe me? Look at the cards, man. They come, they try to join our church. And they're not married. Well, we don't write them off. We go talk to them, try to get them married. And until they get married, they welcome to come. Just have a good time in the Lord. One of these days, I might be preaching on something and God speaks to the heart. Now, the only route to rest restoration, I'm done. The only route to restoration is repentance. No repentance, no restoration. The Bible says that godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. Godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And I want to tell you something, and I'm done. To a child of God that's been saved that has the Holy Spirit within their heart, they'll never feel right about themselves as long as they're wrong with God. Vexing the righteous soul with sin and hearing the unrighteous deeds of the wicked. Their name might be Lot and they may dwell a little while and act like they're having fun. But the Holy Spirit of God will not let them rest. They'll be sorrow, they'll be hurt until they come to repentance. And we are under a direct mandate from God to restore that one when they repent. Amen? Well, let's just busy ourselves restoring reusable 